What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, people? We are back, we are back with another episode. Episode number nine, I want to say. I'm on a roll, episode number nine. This is a, uh, this is a special one, this is a special one. I done interviewed quite a few people, um, and this is special for me because this is the only person that I've interviewed that I've been able to play against on the court in high school. All these other people I've seen play basketball, I done watched them, I done uh, sat on the sidelines, cheered them on. But this is the first person that I've actually got to like have like some type of back and forth on the basketball court for <clears throat> a couple of years. Um, even though he's a little bit younger than me, but I still be able was able to uh, share some uh, some some things on the court. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about none other, no other than Massachusetts' very own Farno DeGand. Uh, he played for uh, O'Brien for quite some years. Class of, I want to say class of 06. He's class of 06. After that, had um, a brief stint at Iowa. Played the rest of his college ball at NC State. Um, entered the draft, did a little pro, did a little bit of uh, NBA pro stuff. After that, transitioned into um, many, many other things, into uh, uh, overseas basketball. Um, I want to say he also dabbled into the modeling. And he also had a movie that came out last Friday called Boogie. Everybody should go check that out. It also features great music. That soundtrack is crazy. And it got my man Pop Smoke in there. Rest in peace, Pop Smoke. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, let me bring my brother to the screen, well, to the stage. Bring a round of applause. Final Degon, what's good, bro? My guy, what is the word? How you feeling? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. How you feeling? Yo, I'm feeling. I'm feeling pretty good, man. I'm um, outside of the fact of you know the 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 agent hate that's been taking place within this country. You know, a yeah, lot that, of, that that was crazy. Yeah, man. A lot of my, my a lot of my good friends. You know, the director of the film is Asian. It's it's, it's about the it's about a uh, an Asian coming to age basketball story in in the same neighborhoods that we grew up in. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, to to see that taking place in our country right now is kind of frustrating, but. You know, I am excited to have been a part of something like that and to have that out right now. And it is it is educational. Um, mm-hmm. There is aspects of uh, aspects of it where people can actually learn more about um, the Asian community and their plight and what's going on in the, the um, rituals and things that take place in their culture. So I think, um, you know, I feel like we're part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, if, if people uh, but take the time to understand that we're more alike than we are different. I think um, we can come closer, and we can we can we can definitely unify as a country for sure. That's for sure. That's for sure. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. Um, <clears throat> I didn't want to jump right on into it, but uh, like we were already talking about, the, like how did that come about? Like, um, well, that's that's is 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 dope, man. Because you know, I think basketball was what kind of uh, brought it to the forefront. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the guys that are in the film were all, uh, uh, we all basketball buddies, we a lot of basketball when I was in Los Angeles for the past three years. So we all played okay. basketball with each other. And, um, you know, when you're making a basketball film and you're around someone who's played basketball a large majority of your life and you're trying to make it um, as realistic as possible, it's good to have, uh, uh, friends who play basketball, and um, that was how that essentially came about. 
Um, you know, I was in LA, I was doing my thing. I was um, helping cultivate and create the Haitian national basketball team when I initially bump into that group of individuals. Um, and they showed me radical support in regards to that plight and what I was doing and trying to help put the first national basketball team in the, um, that the country of Haiti has seen in, I mean, arguably 35 years, if not even longer. And so they really supported that plight and really put um, put their energy behind me and, and, and supported what I was doing. So one of the things I would want to do was, was return that energy and, and support anything and everything that they were doing. So when I got asked to be a part of the film, it was a, it was an honor for me. So this is uh, the first movie that I hear. So it sounds like there was actual like hoopers in the movie. You know how we don't see movies with basketball in it and it. Is this bad acting, bad basketball? Y'all, y'all are actually out there hooping. No, everybody that's in the film. So the lead character, my man Tay, uh, Taylor Takashi, he's from originally, I believe, Almeida, uh, California, mm -hmm. and he, he, I think he's he's the all-time leading scorer at his high school. If I'm not, if I'm not, get out of here. Seriously, um, Eddie Eddie Wong, the director, um, mm -hmm. is a basketball junkie. Right. And um, uh, a couple other guys. So we had a men's league that we actually used to play. So I, in regards to being immersed in Asian culture, I got a, a firsthand experience and a better understanding on how they operate and, and the cultures, the customs, the different things that takes place within Asian culture. Um, you know, we used to play games and then eat after the game. And Eddie would specifically choose specific things um, off the menu. So for me, it was one of it was a, a tremendous learning experience, a cultural exchange. Because for us, I believe basketball is almost cultural, right? It, yeah. It's it's beyond what people are actually seeing, right? It's been yeah. spiritual. If you think about it, our connection and us playing basketball with each other, that's a connection that you know we have that we will most like more than likely never connect with somebody on that particular light. Yeah. Okay. We're a little bit older. Things mm -hmm. like not everybody's hooping the way that we once did. Yeah, um, and so it's like our, us hooping in that time frame forever connects us, right? And we're doing something that is beyond the the day to day walking and talking and eating and things of that nature. We were we were flying essentially, if you think about it, running, mm -hmm. jumping, and, and enjoying our athletic prowess. Um, and you know, for me, I think that you know sharing that with them was one of my things that I wanted to do. Um, sharing my experience, my knowledge, and my uh, my feel for the game was something that I wanted to do and really find a way to galvanize the crew. We had someone as old as, I believe B is about like late 40s. Okay. So the, the ages varied, right? So they started from, I believe, Mitch might've been the youngest. If I'm, no, Taylor might've been the youngest. He's about 25. And then B is about late 40s, early 50. And then you have Eddie, who's never really played um, organized basketball, but you know we brought this particular group together, right? In which we were able to understand each other's strengths and weaknesses, and we galvanized each other, and we brought each other, and we were able to create something. We're actually the reigning champions of the Mufufu's Men's League. Okay. Um, our our stat sheet is on High Snobiety if you guys want the numbers. Uh. Right? So check out the uh, High Snobiety feature for the movie and Eddie. And they have our stat sheet in there. You feel me? And for my last game, shout out my guy Sadell. He was out there too. Um, but yeah, they have our stat sheet from the championship game in that whole entire season. So you guys can check out what we was about for the past few years for sure. <laughs> that's the stuff. That's the stuff, man. That's the stuff.
pretty fly. I think I think it's the first time I've ever heard of a men's league being featured in the high Slovakia. I think that's a that's a subtle flex. I'm with that's a, that's a real subtle flex. It might be, it, yeah, it might be. It might be. It might be. <laughs> You're gonna slide that one in there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so let's just bring it back a little bit. When did you really bring it back? So like, when did you like first start hooping? Like. When 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 did you like first find 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 that love for the game? Um, when I really really tapped in, I was mm-hmm. saying when I was in the Galvin, I was like about I would say like fourth to fifth grade. I had just moved into the Galvin. Okay. Um. So and I was I was really like an only child at first, right? Yeah. Because um, I had an older brother. Most of my brothers and sisters they came from Haiti. Okay. So I was the only one born in the United States. And so I was like an only child for a little bit. Um, and then, of course, my brother, he had came when I was about four, but he was he was eight. He was like 16, 17, 19. Yeah, he was gone. Yeah, he was out and about. So I was, you know, just doing my thing. And then I'll never forget, like, Miss Tony, um, you know, the neighborhood matriarch. Right. You know how it is in the projects. Right. Every every neighborhood has a matriarch, a woman that takes the role of. Uh, making sure that they guide us at least, good. right? Make sure that we ride in the right direction. And they're, they, they're the voice of reason. They're the heart of the, uh, of the area. Uh, shoot, they're the, they're the chef. Sometimes they're the distributor of, of, of goods. Yeah. It's, it's just they do, just do anything and everything they can within their power to uplift the community. She was like the, she was like the hood's mom. Of course. RIP Miss Tony. Shout out Dana. You feel me? Shout out to my big dog. I actually just talked to him earlier today. Um, so, boom, she was like the hood mom. She came down to my crib. I'll never forget this. This is like how I feel like I was introduced to the city of Boston, right? Okay. She came down. We had just moved in there, like probably not too, probably like a few months, uh, probably like a, a couple months earlier. And she was like, look, these are now your friends. And she introduced me to the core group of guys, four, four kids from the neighborhood. Her son Keith, uh, Dean. I don't know if you know Richard Davis, uh, Peanut, Charlie. Uh, uh, and she was like, "These are your friends." And this is how I started my journey within the city, within the community. And then from there, they introduced me to the Gallagher Community Center, where I was finding the resources that I needed to really elevate and take my game to the next place. And then also remember Rico's League was at the Galvin at the time too. Yeah. yeah. Right? So that's when I started immersing myself in that culture. So I started watching the Sunday League games. Um, they used to play men's league. They used to uh, have a men's run at seven o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Remember, children used to run those runs, and I used to be in there just watching them play, or I'll be playing up until they came, and then I'll yeah. watch them play, and then eventually it just became an obsession. And especially when I found out, like, yo, you mean to tell me I can get a college scholarship with this? I was like, oh, y'all are bugging. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> and I started just hooping crazy. Uh, me and uh, the homie Peanut we used to be in the gym all the time, man. And it eventually grew to something that, you know, kind of guided the life, kind of guided my life and spearheaded my journey. And it still to this day um, kind of does that. So that's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. So now, now you at OB, playing OB now. I remember, uh, you probably don't remember, but you might, but I remember playing against you. It was Hyde Park versus OB. You wore number zero. Oh, cool. Nice flow. flow. What you mean? <laughs> you was about this big. Right. And the, and the trainer had to tape your pants to you. 
Right, 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 right. And you were the best player in High Park. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and you, they, thank you, though. I be telling people, I be getting buckets, but they don't want <laughs> to believe me, though. Nah, you were definitely a point of, a point of interest. <laughs> I want to say that was my freshman. He was in the seventh grade. And I was just like, yo, who is this dude? And they were just like, yo, this dude is the truth. I'm just like, man, nah. And tip off went off, and you went eight. He probably gave us like 30 that game. That was my that was my introduction to fun. And I'm just like, damn, like seventh grader giving us buckets like that. I mean, now I need to step my shit up. Like now, the one thing I will say is I didn't play varsity as an eight. So as much as I want to toot my own horn, it was eighth when I, and the thing about it, it was especially high, high park, they let me play the whole game. So what they used to do is they'll 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 off center it, right? Oh, yeah. They'll be like, oh, you can play the first half. JV, and then you can play the second half. When we played y'all, it was like, you're going to play the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like, and me, I was I was just hungry. Like, I was like, yo, just point me at him. That's who's getting it, you know? And so it's like, I would score 20 in the first half in JV, and then I'll go play um, varsity. Yeah. And, on a on a on a decent, I'll score ten. But on a good night, I'll get twenty at thirty. And if I get to play the whole game, I was gonna get twenty twenty five. Yeah. So like, what was that drive like when you was at OB? Like, what what did what what made you like just just keep striving? And then what 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 made you like choose to head to Iowa? You, I know you had other offers on the table, but but what made it like that that choice to go there first? Um, for me. It's, it's crazy because I think the a major driving force is how I was raised in my situation, right? And seeing what my mother was going through in order to take care and uh, provide for all of us. So what she was able to eventually do, right, was able to send for the rest of my brothers and sister, mm-hmm. right? So, he's, so my one brother came and then my other brother came through his father through New Jersey, I believe. But then the other four, I don't know, the other three he she was able to pay for to get here to accommodate get the paperwork all these different things and she was consistently working and she was consistently reminding me of what my reality was right is like yo you don't have the luxury of getting lost in the sauce you don't have the luxury of playing games you have to maximize the opportunities that are in front of you so for me it was about maximizing opportunities and uh, you know whatever I can do with whatever I had was to put my best foot forward to try to make sure I, I can I could maximize these opportunities and take myself to the next place. In regards to going to Iowa State, that was Will, man. Like, uh, okay, all right. Like, I remember one of my coaches taking me to go see Will play at uh, at Eastie, and I was like, what is that? Like, <laughs> you no, know, like, what is going on? Right. It's like, you know, this dude is this next level. And, you know, this, I think that's one of my biggest things, too. Right. I think in regards to Will and what he represented to the city and the culture and, and a generation of Hoopers in the city. I don't really think I and mean, then Will gets a lot of I feel like Will got a lot of love. I don't think he gets enough love. Yeah. Now, of, you know, he 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 was it. Right. I didn't look at NBA players. Bro, I wasn't watching NBA. We didn't have cable like watching NBA, nothing like that. I was watching Will. Like, of course, Jordan played. You watch Jordan play, but after watching Jordan bust, get buckets every single weekend, it kind of gets, like, boring. Like, yo. Right. So it was like, with Will, it was just different because his game was so creative. His game was so innovative. 
and he was having fun. He was he was a showman at the same time. Um, yeah, man. So I, I I gravitated towards that a lot. And they the guys from Mission took me in, man. They they showed me a lot of love. They were like, "Yo, bro, we, you work out with us, play with us, right?" And they gravitated towards a lot of things that I was doing, and mm-hmm. I gave more confidence, and that gave me more game, more. Mm-hmm understanding about subtle things or whatever just mm-hmm. watching right will stevie watching them all do their thing um and so when i had an opportunity to kind of like follow in his footsteps in regards to going to iowa state i was like hell yeah i'm definitely gonna do that um because it just felt as if like the coaching staff uh, and everybody on the team it was a welcoming environment and i knew you know to have will like a big brother figure there was going to be something that was going to be conducive to my game. I've always sought out um, prowess. I've always sought out intelligence. I've always sought out people who are credentialed and have merit in what they do, and I seek to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Will was in regards to basketball. Will was it. Like, yeah. I have an opportunity to learn from it. Like, I'm, I'm going to be with it, and I'm going to be close to it. And it was amazing. It, it really worked out, to be honest with you. It, it was to the point to where I actually went to Iowa State. And they wanted to rent for me because, of course, I was I was somewhat thin. Yeah. Um, and by like a month or two into the whole process, they're like, "Can we actually take him off a red shirt?" Because I had my the level of the development in my game, I had jumped so exactly, jumped so high. It was it. They were like, "Yo, we can actually utilize this guy at this particular point in time to actually help us win games." It was like a week or two too late. Uh, but in regards to what I learned from him, and then eventually I learned from Kurt. Kurt was there too, Kurt Stinson, mm-hmm. um, from the Bronx, New York. And those combination of guys, right, their game just naturally permeated to my game, and they they had me on one when I was coming out of Iowa State. Okay, okay. So uh, then you went uh, transferred over to uh, NC State, right? Yes. You did, did your thing over there. So how 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 was that transition going from being redshirted over at Iowa to now actually getting some PT and over at uh, NC State? Did Yo, that, did was, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I want you to finish the question. No. So did did that? Do you think that redshirt year really really helped you more, or would you think you would have developed more if you would have actually got some playing time and then transferred over? No, it worked out perfectly, to be honest with you. So I got to yeah, remember I graduated high school when I was 17 years old. Yeah, so, you did. Yeah. So when I went to Iowa State, I was 17. They were like, bro, we got we can we can just grow this guy, let him grow up a little bit. Um, so I had time to kind of like mature and, and develop physically, mentally, and spiritually and whatnot. Um, and then when I went when I was at North Carolina State, the thing about it was I was starting, right? I was a starting point guard. We were actually ranked, I believe, twenty number t- like twenty three in the country, mm. um, and we were actually slated to do extraordinarily great things. And we ended up winning the Old Spice Classic. Um, we beat Villanova in the championship for the Old Spice Classic. Um, this is when they had Corey Fisher, Scotty Reynolds, uh, that crew. Um, so we were well on our way to being a national powerhouse, right? And I tore my ACL when we played against Cincinnati. So in regards to the game plan and the execution of the game plan, mm-hmm. it was executed and it was well on its way. It was just an unforeseen circumstance of an injury that just got in the way and there was nothing anybody could do about that. Okay, 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 okay. But you did graduate though. Oh, of course. 
Yeah, dude. I came. I bounced back. I came back off the injury. Um, got my. I, I got my starting um, job back. Um, and I was performing well. We had. We actually. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I had a, a, a rough patch in the beginning of my senior year. I was kind of like, I was kind of burnt out in regards to schooling and stuff like that. So I'm not gonna act like it was some type of saint like I did, you know what I mean? But um, I bounced back from that and I remember coming back and we played Marquette um, and that's this team that had Jimmy Butler on it. Mm. Um, and they, I, they implemented me back into the game. I got back into the fold. Um, after in, in that game, like they put me in in the second half, and we came back and we won. That kind of reignited the attention that I was getting to the point to where after we beat Duke, so we beat Duke by twenty. Who was on that Duke team? It was Shire, Nolan Smith, and Kyle Singler. This is the year that they won the national championship. Okay, okay. Uh, but we beat them by twenty, and I'll never forget them reaching out to me talking about you know the Phoenix Suns are calling. The uh, I forgot what other teams were calling. I think Indiana was one of the teams. So the, my, my initial sophomore year, right. Mm-hmm. Already was we, Indiana, I was on Indiana Pacers radar um, or whatnot. And when I tore my, I was going to leave after that year to go to the draft. Mm-hmm. So when I tore my ACL, that was the part that I, cause I knew that. Yeah. So when that happened, I was like, come on. <laughs> you know, but then right, I get to the I get to my senior season, boom, Phoenix, whatever, blah, blah, my, my stock going back up, and then I take ACL again. And I'm like, you know, so it was one of those things where I had a tumultuous experience in college, mm. but in regards to game plan and my opportunities being there, mm. over there, like you know, and um, and that's part of the reason why I'm like I don't necessarily regret it. It was just one of those things where the game plan was well. The, the as long as I was in the right direction, I put myself in the proper position to be able to achieve the goals that I needed to. Mm. I'm okay with that, and then not only that, you got to think about it. I'm I'm competing against the best competition there is in the country at the time. I'm playing against Steph. Ty Lawson, Tyrese Rice, Iman Shumpert, Grievous Vasquez, Tony Douglas. Um, I can literally go on for like an hour, just like day in, day out, day in, day out. So that's one of the things that I wanted to do was compete against the best. And I was I was able to do that. And and I was able to experience that. A lot of people may not necessarily know the background and things of the nature that comes with it, but yeah. I was there. And that's part of the reason why we, why, why your podcast is amazing, man. And I think is extraordinarily valuable because you're giving people an opportunity to share aspects of things that they may have not known, nuances and the details that if they did understand, it would change the perspective of things for sure. For sure. For sure. So like, like in high school, you know, coaches would be like the easiest thing to do is make to make the team, but the hardest thing is to like stay on it. Like playing at that like D one level and having practice, film, the uh, media time. Like, what is like the hardest thing, and what is the easiest thing to maintain while you're in like in the season like that? Um, I don't think people really realize what's going on with collegiate athletes. Pretty much they're living a celebrity lifestyle on a minimum wage paycheck, right? Mm. And don't get it twisted, a college degree is expensive. And I'm not going to lie to you, one of my biggest assets right now is I have no student loans. I'm jealous, like, you know? Um, But 
they're dealing with a lot. They're dealing with a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations, especially if you play at a big time school, mm-hmm. right? So I went to North Carolina State. Our stadium holds 20,000 people. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of people coming to 20,000. At the bare minimum, it was a bad day. It's going to be 12,000 there. Sheesh. <laughs> right? So you're dealing with a lot of, pres- you're dealing with a lot of pressure. Um, you're dealing with a lot high pressure from the outside and from internally as well, right? These coaches are expecting you to perform at a high level at the same time, consistently looking for the next best thing, right? So every year you got to kind of essentially prove yourself. And then not only that, like you got the guy behind you who's trying to take your job, different things of that nature. And so for me, I approach everything the same way, right? It's like, yo, I'm just going to work hard. I'm going to be the best version of myself consistently and that should prove itself to be something that that should prove itself to be enough fortunately enough for me it was right i i, I can never i cannot mention the, the sheer amount of guard that came through there i mean john wall was a root recruit um uh, uh chris wright i remember chris wright uh who else like it's so many guards have come through and the guys that you know confirmed and came there or whatever, and then there's other, there's this consistent competition at all times. Um, so it's it's tough on you mentally, physically as well. And I think that's the part that people need to recognize is like this is not something that's easy. Um, not everybody can necessarily navigate that and then make it out of that and then push themselves to another level to even make that. Yeah, that's very, very difficult stuff that you're witnessing these kids do. Putting a lot of time, just going to school year round, waking up at seven o'clock, eight o'clock to go to class, and then you're not getting home till nine o'clock at night if you've got study hall, right? So you're not even living a, a, a normal college lifestyle, right? And, I, and one of the biggest things I used to call people who I used to always look at people who in college regularly, and like, and we used to call them normies, right? Not because they were just like we were above them or whatever, but you're living a normal, you're living a normal college experience. We're not. Right, where sure we had this perks. I'm not gonna act like, dude. I'm not gonna act like it was it was a bad experience in regard to right. But it's like there 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 are perks and it's disadvantages to everything, right? And what we sacrificed was just a a normal collegiate lifestyle to accommodate what we wanted to do, what we wanted to do, and and I think it also takes away from your ability in the classroom as well, right? Yeah constantly working out, you're constantly uh, battling, you're battling the people on your own team, you're battling uh, for uh, position, you you have people on the outside looking in, judging your every uh, move. Um, it gets to, it is tr- it's, it's tough on your psyche, yeah. right? especially when you're not getting accommodated to live like a rock star, right? If you're, if you're a celebrity, it's a lot easier to deal with, um, with blogs and all these things with 50 mil. Right. It's a lot to do when you're dealing with, you know, what you have coming from your particular perspective. So that's pretty much I think it's I think people don't understand that. And I think people kind of take take for granted what these guys are actually out there doing because they're doing something that they enjoy. They do. They get the opportunity of being able to finance school through their passion. Yeah. And I think people kind of take that and they they get a negative sentiment from that, right? And it's like, but these people are working very, very hard for this. Like, and how can you possibly hate on that? Um, so yeah, man, I think it's something that people just need to understand what they're actually seeing. They're watching kids compete. You're watching kids go at it. Um, and you're watching them do it for some of them for their livelihood, some of them for just sheer passion. But 
regardless of whatever's driving them, it's extreme. It's not casual. It's not basic. It's not. It's not routine. It's extreme, and you you're watching that on a day to day basis. You you think they should get paid? Think the NCAA should pay these guys? I wrote a paper about that. I used to write, I, I, my papers were where I voiced my truth. I was, I was letting them know about themselves in my papers. Like, oh, yeah, y'all think I don't see y'all? Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, hell yeah, dude. Let me break it down to you, right? Now we're talking about the things I want to talk about. Foss. You're in my bag. Now this is what I'm talking about. Um, I looked up one time, right? There was a thing that said the value of an NC State basketball player, not even UNC or Duke or anything like that, to the university is 500000 per player. Sheesh. 500 bands, bro. Now, huh? One player. One player. That's the value. You got to remember, basketball, football pays for a majority of the athletic department. Not tennis ain't ain't the one cutting checks. You feel me? Basketball Mm -hmm. and football are the ones cutting the checks for most of the athletic programs in these universities. So not only are we working our ass off just to get to our particular goals, we're also shouldering the loads of the things and everything else people are seeing, right? Um, But, yes, Mm $500,000. We deserve, I mean, I think 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 would change the lives of majority of these kids. Right, who are putting in overtime? I just told you from seven to nine. That's the that's the vibe. There's no way. So a, a normal college student has an opportunity if they're not in between class to make the money back that in regards to that time that they have allotted. And if they've they're fortunate enough to have their parents take care of school for them, right? Mm-hmm. They can just live, and so they go to school three. They go to school three hours a day, and they're just chilling afterwards. Like they're just kicking it. Life's good. Fantastic. You know, um, so for the amount of work, the amount of pressure that are on these kids, the amount of social ridicule that they put in these kids too, right? And uh, judgment that they put in. And you also got to think about media, ESPN. Be kind, jerks. Everybody's eating. Why can't the guys? Why can't the talent eat? Because last time I checked, talent is king. In my yeah. Right, so is this is your show, Foss? You're the talent, right? Yeah, you're a king, right? Yeah. So if I'm, if the people, it's the thing that people are watching that's king, right? And you're trying to tell me that you don't have to pay them because you're giving them a degree, which has value, right? Nobody is denying the value, but the it's in regards to the value that this person is bringing to the school, it's pennies to the dollar. So, so all right. You said each player is an estimated value of five hundred thousand, right? So I I just threw fifty thousand is tuition for the year, right? Now granted, like in, in, in totality, if you probably like hundred twenty five in totality, you can round up anywhere from hundred twenty five to hundred sixty. Okay. That's in totality, four years, right? Oh, oh, wait a minute. He, he said 120. That, that 120 is that's all four years. Right, right. So imagine if you got a scholarship to BC. What's BC? Um, what's the price to go to BC uh, at this particular point? 60 bands? Yeah, so it's about 60,000 to go to BC right now, right? So yeah. a BC scholarship is probably worth about 240 bands. 
even still, you take that 240. Now, nah, let's take I like that 180. Let's take that 180 out of that 500 out of that 500 bands. You still got money to play with. Yes. You get you you give the kid 30 just for the season. And he's good. And if you give it now, you not only you give him 30, right? Because we had to learn, we had to learn. Um, so we took media training. Uh, we had to like take training in regards to how to deal with uh, females and things yeah. like that. This okay. is why I'm not out here popping bottles and buying drinks because that's Boom, yeah. I'm not going out like that. Do you feel me? They can keep it. Uh, <laughs> you feel me? Um, you give them, you give them the thirty bands on the back end of a financial literacy course. Mm. Now he's making, now he's making band bands. Now he's making some money. Now he can change. Now he can change the people in his lives. Life, you feel me? He can throw that a couple of stocks. He's quadrupling that. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's a rhyme or reason. And then, but then it's also something that I think that needs to happen, right? I think there needs to be some type of back pay for all the guys that have been getting played by the system. We, I didn't forget about them, and I'm not gonna forget about them. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So. That's crazy. Yeah, these dudes. Yeah, yeah, these dudes need to get paid. And I'm saying, and I'm sick of hearing that 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 same old thing where they we're paying them in a scholarship. But you also got to remember, bro. Like, what's happening? You're then catapulting these kids, and you're putting them at a high. This is just from experience. Yeah. You're catapulting these kids, and you're putting them at this on this high pedestal, right? And then now these kids, if the kids stay in the neighborhood, right? Just put it like that. Now these kids, right, it has a, it is value and then there's also a downside to it, right? You put them on this pedestal, you get, you're you bigging these kids up, you're giving them all this attention, you're doing all these things for them, and then you just pull the rug from up underneath them when they finish college, right, if they don't make it to the NBA, right? So now you set this image of these people this high where, because I've learned both sides, right, where there are people that will want to take that down. Yeah. Right, so you setting this kid up for failure to a certain extent. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. Granted, if the kid's um, aware and knows what's going on, right? But a lot of the kids are coming from the com our communities; they're not aware of what's going on, right? They're just like, "Yo, I gotta get overseas, whatever, blah, blah blah." But you took up so much time of this kid's life, right? And the kid didn't have time to invest or explore other ideas or other um, situations, and now that person doesn't necessarily quite understand what normal life is like or what options they have, or how to develop themselves, right? So there's so much that goes within to it, where it's like, yo, dude, if you just gave the guy some bread to take care of himself, right, he can at least come out, he'll have a couple of dollars in terms of just cash saved up for himself, mm -hmm. right, if they're smart, and then he can at least learn and he can figure it out, but not just pull the rug from underneath someone and be like, all right, go figure it out. You're mm -hmm. out there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so, so how do you feel about this whole, like, G League and uh, overtime starting these like get the money. Let's get to it. Let's get this. Go get paid. Let's get this money, bro. <laughs> I'm with it. If the kid can, you they should. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think there was a there was an example. Um, been a couple of examples that what what happened if you go to college. You know, it's like your family. If you can go to G League, do get this spread. Like especially now with that starter league, right? Like, giving yeah. 
240, 500, like even 100 something bands to go and be bred for the NBA. What? There's nothing else to do. Like, what do you mean, college? What does college to me? <laughs> right? Like, why am I going to college? I go to college while I'm in the league. Yeah, well, yeah. I was about to say college is always there, and, and if not, you can go overseas and still make make your money, and then come back home and, and get your doctorate or whatever the case may be. You see what I'm saying, bro? So, I, I'm all the way with that. I'm all the way with that. That's just, uh, all right, so speaking about the league, we you done transitioned, did your four years, done graduated, so now you enter the draft. So how would you – I don't spoke to Gurley. I don't spoke to, to radio. How, how was your draft experience? Would you would – you, 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 you got flued out? You nah, out? I'm going to tell you what – so let me tell you what actually happened. This is where the story has – we have some more fun with the story. I'm in crutches. Oh, and I tore my ACL at the end of the – so I tore my ACL at after the season was over. Damn. I'm in crutches and I'm sitting here watching this shit. No, you good, you good. You good. Uh, I'm sitting here watching the situation or whatever, and I'm just like I'm just like taking it in. Like, yeah, you know I mean, not to say that I was necessarily feeling like I was gonna be a draft pick or anything like that, right? I knew I was gonna be in the mix, I was gonna be able to prove myself. And that's the part that hurt me most was not being able to go prove myself on that particular play. Um um uh, uh play um so that's the part that bothered me the most and it, it was it, it rubbed me the wrong way so but yeah i was in crutches i was in north carolina i was i was um getting ready to go through a second rehab um but the fascinating part right is i go through that and i come back home i'm home for a year i needed some time off you know just to mentally regroup um i, I take that time off and i'm like all right cool let me get back into the mix i get back into the mix i go to north carolina i train and I go to a Euro camp, I, a Euro camp, I flop, right? And I was just like, because uh, I tore my ACL, it took me some time. I was working out three days, uh, three days a week, um, no, three times a day while I was in North Carolina. So I went back to North Carolina. I didn't go back to North Carolina State. I went to North Carolina Central. And that's how North Carolina Central became my HBCU. Um, and, you know, I just flopped. And I'm like, man, it might be really over for me. And that's when Gurley hits me up. He's like, yo, bro, where you at? The Celtics is looking for you, B. Like, yo, where you, where you at with it? And I was at the crib, just downtrodden. Like, oh man, I was like, what's, is this really real? And they brought me into free, uh, free agent mini, uh, rookie minicamp. And this is where, when Jeff Green was there, Fab Mello, uh, and I ended up working out with Jason Terry, Rajon Rondo, uh, Chris Wilcox, and you know, it started off with like. 20 or 30 of us. So Gurley was in there and a couple of guys from BU and things of that nature was in there. And it ended with uh, with me being one of the last players, essentially being the last players, and then them inviting me to like an, uh, an open tryout or whatever, just essentially for semantic state, because I think I had done enough within that free agent rookie minicamp yeah. um, uh, to get myself a, a look in mm -hmm. regards to their G League program and stuff like that. But then even when I got to that um, the uh, the trial that the the, the formal trial or whatever I dominated there as well, and they brought me into the um, the Red Claws minicamp, man, and that was that was a crown that was a a moment that I'll never forget because it validated myself as a basketball player. Um, at the time, I didn't necessarily feel like I reached my potential as a basketball player in North Carolina, um, but to be able to go against the likes of Ron, J, uh, Rajon Rondo, Jason Terry, and to be giving them the work, you feel me? Now, I'm pretty sure Rondo was on his off, like he's off. It was like, yeah. you're pretty sure he wasn't going crazy like that or whatever, but it felt good to be able to compete against those guys, to perform against those guys. I'll never forget, 
out, I blocked Fab Mellow shot, right? Yeah. I came off the weak, weak side, I just punched it, right? And I'm like, yo, I just literally, I couldn't stop smiling. Cause I was like, <laughs> this is what it was about for me, being able to compete on this stage um, on an NBA court, you know, that's more space, which is more conducive for someone in my game like myself. Like, yeah. I'm glad that we're here and we're talking about this. I can't <laughs> play in none of these men's leagues that are being played on elementary school gyms. Yeah, you need space. Right. It's only It only benefits smaller people. So people like myself, the big boys, are the ones who are taking a disadvantage, who had a disadvantage. So I never like, I never liked that. Um, but playing on the NBA court, man, that's, it, it was ideal for my skill set um, and ideal for what I brought to the table. And I was able to really show people what I was capable of doing. That's what's up, bro. That's, that's, that's definitely what's up. And I'm just glad that you like even gave giving me the time right now to even break bread and sit down and chop it up. And then just, I, I just want to appreciate you like now, you know what I mean? I much, much, much appreciate this for real, for real. For real. I appreciate it, man. Yo, dude, I remember seeing you and don't mind. They gave me this at the office. I'll get this little office space down in uh, Boylston. So they gave me this as a welcoming gift today. So don't mind the blow pop. No, it's cool. I am a responsible adult. Um, uh, but no, I remember seeing you at uh, Mattapan House of Pizza. Mm -hmm. And you remember me being on the phone. I was locked in at that particular point. Yeah. Or whatever. But I think a lot of the things that people are going to now see and things that I'm kind of like segueing into, I was working on then. And it was just, it's based off of, it's, it's true to who I am as a person, true to what I care about and what I love, man. And, and you know, being able to tap in with the homies and the people that I grew up with and share some of this is, is everything for me right now. So I'm excited um, and I appreciate you having me. No, no, most definitely. Now, let's tap into this little uh, Jordan modeling. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> right. People, yo, people be really be thinking I'll be lying when I be like, and I tell people I know people, mm -hmm. I really know people. That's a fact. People thought I was lying. I'm just like, I'm flipping through the magazine. I'm just like, yo, hold up. I know this dude. They was like, no, you don't. I'm like, oh, this is a magazine? What magazine was it? I, 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 remember. I, I was flipped. No, no matter of fact, it wasn't even a magazine. I was on the Nike app. Okay. Nike okay. app. I was scrolling just like, I know that dude. This dude. That's no, I didn't even know it was on a Nike app. I, I found out so I found out a new place that that campaign was at like every other week, like every other day. Like bro, I was, I wanted them, I wanted them joints bad. Yo, those were jiggy, right? Like those were the Cheryl Swoops. Yeah, you remember those were Cheryl Swoops joints. So she re envisioned those, and I'm like, yo, I remember being at the shoot. I was like, yo, can I get a pair? Like I got them in uh, thirteen men. It was like, nah, these are for women. And I was like, kidding me? I would have styled those. Like, what you mean? Like. <laughs> how did that come about it, it, it was it basketball that helped transition that as well because i've been telling people basketball can bring you places you ain't never would have thought of i agree that is definitely something that i want to uh you know share with the younger homies it's like you know you can you can there's ways to finesse the, the basketball you feel me um but in regards to that it i what originally led me to go to north Carolina, i mean to north Carolina, to go uh to los angeles was the Haitian national team project. I was mm -hmm. just trying to find a way to, um, to raise awareness. Um, they had nominated me as a national spokesperson communications lead. Okay. So they wanted me to be like, I, I, I wanted my foray into the, you know, the, the executive office, like, yo, 
I need that. You feel me? I also wanted to play. So it was like, all right, cool. They gave me that particular uh, car blanche. And so I went to LA because I felt like that was the best place to maximize it. Right. Mm. And so while I'm there, you know, that's where a lot of this kind of came about. Right. I went out there to go do that. Um, And then while I'm there, you know, I'm just playing ball just to play ball. Like it wasn't necessarily something that I was doing just to, um, you know, to, link up with people or to be friends with anybody else like i was playing ball just to play ball with the, with some of my peers and it just grew into like working relationships with people that saw something in me that i didn't see at that particular point in time um and when that came about um you know they, they, they reached out to me and they gave me a call they were like yo i'm doing this my buddy my man jai he's special with the camera he's a native photographer um he was like yo i'm doing this jordan photo shoot um, do you would you be interested? I was like, yeah. So he's like, yo, send me some headshots or whatever. So boom, I sent him some headshots or whatever. And it was like between me and five other people or whatever. And apparently they chose me out of the, the five. So um, I was very fortunate and I'm just grateful to have great people around me that see something in me, you know? That's what's up, man. You got I seen you playing in one of those like celebrity all-star game, two things out there, something like that. Oh yeah, that was a vibe. Uh, man, that was fun. Like, and that came about randomly, right? Eddie was the one, the director. Actually, he was the one that invited me. I didn't even know what was going on. He was like, "Yo, just pull up. We're about to be playing on the rooftop." He had a roof. He had an apartment that had a rooftop basketball court. Fly, right? And boom, I pulled up, and I'm like, "All right, cool, whatever." Mm-hmm. And I get there. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Don Benjamin is there. Trevor Jackson is there. Tanks there. Um, who else? Um, problem the rapper. What you feel me? Um, yeah, and it was just it was just a grand old time. Actually, B Dot was there. Shout out to him. We actually funny story, bro. Like who? Yo, let me tell you the story. How this actually went down. Let me let me let me tell you how. Like y'all sit with me, have some fun with me. Grab a grab a cup of a uh, cup of tea, hot chocolate, your favorite bev. Sit, talk. It's just chill, bro. I pull up to LA. I hadn't been hooping like that. I had been taking some time off, resting my body, handling some personal situations. And I, this is when I'm tapped. I'm tapping into the immersive journalism thing. This is something I'm really, really into. Mm-hmm. And I pull up, and my man is staying in NoHo. I'm like, all right, cool, boom. So NoHo had, at that particular point in time, had some of the better runs. They didn't necessarily know who was going to be in there. I was like, all right, let me start getting myself back right. Okay. I pull up. Boom, I start playing, and I see B-Dots out there. And I'm like, that's not who I think that is, right? I'm like, nah. Hey, hey man, do you mind uh, getting the light coming over time? So I'm in the office, so what happens is, like, the light when I oh, do <laughs> What's wrong with my light in my office? We're going to get that situated. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, yeah, boom. I pull up. I'm playing. And I don't really, I can't, I'm, I'm vaguely recognizable, but I don't necessarily know who he is. But I give him a stare and I was like, yo, I'm about to come at you, right? Yeah, I hadn't been in the gym a little bit. I'm coming at you. And, you know, we did our thing a little bit. He definitely got the better of me. I'm not even going to lie to you. He definitely got the better of me the first time. And, you know, he like he had like a game winner walk off sides. This is the first, he's actually the first person I've actually saw doing the sidestep trade ball. Like, hey, some innovative type stuff. This, you know, he's legit, like. And he worked. He actually played. Um, I think he played overseas and things like that. So he had a basketball background. Okay. Um, so I pull up to the celebrity game, 
and B dot stare. And I give him a stare down, like, oh yeah. And then and there's a crowd. I'm coming at your neck this time, fam. Okay. And I have been in the gym, I've been working out. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that in front of a crowd. Not this. this <laughs> and then come to find out he was on my team. Uh right. And so then we went ham together and it was just dope. It put the it created some dope content. Um, we was wiping dudes. It was killing dudes. It was crazy. So uh, yeah, man, that was super fun, man. I'll never forget that experience. That was that that's dope right there. That's definitely dope, man. So you did that and then um so I seen I seen the uh the the, H, the, the national Haitian basketball team the fever thing, how, how how did that how did that go? I know you I, I seen a couple of you had a couple of Boston dudes you have my man Bronx on there, Pierre I think Pierre hooped with y'all too I think was on that team as well. So the thing about that particular team I think that team was like a year or two right a year or two beforehand I was like in 2016, 2015, no, 2016 I believe. And it wasn't necessarily, I don't think it was a FIBA sanctioned joint. I think it was more of uh, uh, them galvanizing a group of people uh, that were Haitian and Hoopers and things of that nature and competing in Niagara, right? And I think that that was a dope situation. Um, How the national team situation that I was able to be a part of the the, um, National Federation, that wasn't wasn't Federation sanctioned. This was what I was able to do was uh, Federation sanctioned. Okay, okay. Someone reached out to me through Instagram. This is the power of social media, right? This is why I tell people you got the internet, you got computers, like, yo, it's different. Like, it's not like when we were growing up where, like, you had to fight and claw for opportunity. For real. So, reached out to me through there, and I didn't really believe it. I was like, and I never really thought about a Haitian national team. I was just more focused on overseas money and the NBA and just keeping it pushing, right? So, when they reached out to me, I was like, hmm, this could potentially be epic. I'm like, but I was like, you just, it was just too simple. It was like, yo, I'm going to introduce you to the guy who's whatever. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll entertain it, but I'm not expecting it to be anything serious. Yeah. It was legitimately the, <laughs> the president of the Federation. And they wanted me to help, uh, you know, both the, the, uh, the image of the team and then also help put together a team uh, as well um, and do whatever I had in my, in, in my, with my repertoire to help develop a team and once I got that opportunity it was a um, Navy National Spokesperson Communications lead. I took it and ran with it and literally that's how I ended up in LA and we executed all the way down to the uh, the last days to where we were able to get a team out there um, and in 2018 in Suriname, South America we was able to put the first national Haitian, uh, Haitian national basketball team on the court the uh, representation uh, in regards to representation for Haiti and FIBA sanctioned basketball in 35 years. That's what's up. Right? But it, it gets deep and false. Let's break it, I'm going to break it down for you. You feel me? You got to think about it, right? If it was 35 years ago, that was the last representation of Haitian national basketball, right? And then you look at it, what was going on in 35 years ago? There was no uh, uh, iPhones. No. It was on social media. Nope. Um, I'm not even sure what they had going on in regards to cable TV, but if I remember correctly, Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. So I can't imagine them having all of the goods, right? So for a majority of the country, this was the first representation of basketball that they had ever seen for the country of Haiti. 
That you feel me? It's different. No, 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 no. in the NBA? Is it from it, it come from Haiti? No, no. There's definitely been NBA basketball players, but we're talking about representing like like representing Haiti okay. in its in in general. Okay. Haiti across your chest, and then watching them go out there and play basketball. That's the first representation that they've actually seen in 35 years. And if it's like I said, in regards to it being 35 years, there probably wasn't social media, things of that nature. It might have made the paper, but I'm pretty sure not everybody was reading the paper. That's all right. And then not only that, the team wasn't that good. So I'm pretty sure they was not paying them any attention anyway. Wow. So that's what that moment signified for me. That's what it represents. And that's what was going on. And that's what we was able to do. We was able to plant a seed that I think could potentially guide the National Federation, the Haitian Federation for years to come. And so so you, you pulled the Jay-Z, but you brought a team to your country. You feel me? I see you. <laughs> you feel me? So it's like, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm hella proud of that. You feel me? Like, and then we just getting started. And I think even that storyline, right? That story of what happened there, right? What, regardless of how it went down, what it represents. I remember coming back to Boston, right? And so we stayed in Medford. So I went back in Medford. I'm walking down my street. And I'll never forget somebody just honking his horn, like, like, yo, great job out there, whatever. So we were able to bring pride to Haitians all across the country through this. Yeah. Right? And that just showed us the impact in how much people are eager and waiting for something like this. Um, And, you know, how we can boost morale through sports. And I think, you know, I ended up going to the Lawyers Foundation dinner during 2018 All-Star Weekend. Um, so Lloyd's Foundation is Nelson Mandela's uh, nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which they believe is, um, you know, creating change in the world through sport, right? Um, and of course, I feel as if like we set the tone for that, mm-hmm. but it goes to show you the type of connection that people actually have with sport and the value that there is, which is bringing to our next point, which is why we need to champion our inner city basketball players even more because by not showing them up, this is why your platform is amazing, boss. And y'all gonna get this blow part today, pause. <laughs> um, this is why this platform is important because you gotta remember, athletes are they the the street the amount of work that they put in, especially in high school, right? There's a lot of uh, high school talent, right? That I see in the city that don't get the respect that they deserve. Right, and I'm like, this doesn't make sense because mm-hmm. these are the first inter- enterprising individuals in that in within the school system. These are the, this is the first wave of mm-hmm. talent that is demonstrating be that's demonstrated talent beyond the the um, the the requirements of school and things of that nature. And you think about sports is a way the way you create you can start creating generational wealth. I don't have student loans. The things that has been that allowed me to do as an individual in terms of trajectory and agility and dexterity in regards to my life is part of the reason why I'm able to sit here and tell you that I'm in a movie, that I'm in a uh, because I didn't necessarily come out of school and had to stay in one particular place and start working immediately to pay off student loans. Facts, right? So a lot of guys were able to do that for themselves. A lot of guys were able to raise the morale of that high school, of that particular area, their communities, things of that nature. They deserve. You know, so it's like 
And I, that's one of the things that I'm going to do on my platform. We're going to highlight some of that. We're not going to allow that to just slide underneath the wayside. They want to sweep it underneath the rug. We're not doing that. I'm not letting that go down. The reason why I built myself the way I did is to a point to where I don't necessarily need the support of anything or any one entity to be able to tell a story that's going to be impactful. Right? And that's, I think that by, that's by the grace of God. And of course, I've been a part of my makeup since I was young. Mm-hmm. But that's what we're going to get to because if we're going to re- if we're going to bolster and create a stronger community, we're not going to allow people to just completely, you know, hate on our champions. We're not going to allow people to hate on the people that were setting the tone, that were inspiring, that that are our first leaders in our community. Right there, these guys. Remember when we were growing up, the we were Showtime. Yeah, you right. see then. So it's like at the end of the day. Because you went through a particular time, right, and you were undervalued, right? I'm not going to allow that to continue to be the case and to continue to perpetuate these cycles. Right? Yeah, no, nah, you got to change it up. Exactly. And then I think the beauty of it, too, right, is you got these leaders, you champion these dudes. Now you have natural born leaders in the community that can change the narrative for a lot of these kids, that can change the narrative for a lot of these people, right? And I think that's one of the things, that's one of the issues within our community. Our community doesn't like championing people. They just like, they, they, they like when other people champion them, right? It's like, dude, I have the credentials. I have the same, yo, hi, Tara, listen to me when I'm telling you. I have the same credentials as a lot of people that a lot of people really mess with, like look up to and, and, and praise and show all the utmost love, right? Mm-hmm. And, is it wrong for me to just want the same amount of recognition and credit that they that they so easily obtained from you? No, no. And it's and not only that, you want that type of respect from your school, you want that type of respect from your community, you want that type of respect from your state and city, right? We're not over here just doing nothing. We're the pioneers of basketball. We're the leaders of basketball in the whole entire state, coming from our little area. Yeah, and that must be respected. What are they talking about? They're trying to marginalize us, bro. They're trying to devalue what we have done and what we've been able to do. That's not happening. No, hell no. And I'm and I'm and I'm trying to and I'm trying to bring a different narrative to that because there's all these like I was thinking like this podcast for a minute and I all these different narratives. Oh, you only are you only gonna talk about this? I I only want to highlight basketball. Yeah, I might venture off to different things, but the the basketball that we have in our city is just so rich and so pure. Like I follow one dude, Joe Almeida. He is like a basketball historian, and dude, he's, he's going off. He's going off facts <laughs> every day. Like this guy went pro. He was from here. This guy from Mission. This guy from OP. He went to the league. He played with Dr. J. Like I'm trying to get him on the show ASAP so I could just break some down, some stuff down there, and like. Our story is so rich; it just has to be poured out there. And I and why not with with a podcast? So I'm just like, I hope other people from other states starts to tapping in or whatever the case may be. But I feel like our story needs to be heard and Bro, it needs to be out there. Well, underserved by the city, yeah, they're not taking care of us the way they should be taking care of us. They're not right. showing us love the way that they should be showing us love. You see what I'm saying? It's it's one of the things where. Not to say that I haven't received love. I've received ample amounts of love and things like that. But, but at the same time, I also, you know, I was raised off the love of the city. You feel me? Like, and that is part of my makeup as an individual. And 
because that was so heavily uh, a part of a part of my my story, it's one of those things where I'm like, yo, I want to give that type of love back, right? And when you continue to go through the cycle, then people are wondering why the, the kids aren't in staying in the Boston public school system because you aren't valuing what they do. I'm hearing that they're cutting art programs, like. Yeah. Let's really talk about this. We're going to talk about this one. This is just a quick little side. We're bordering an hour right now. I don't know if anybody, is anybody watching this right now or are we just recording? We're just recording. We're just recording. Yeah, so this is just me and you talking. So yeah. they're not going to make it to this one. But if you really think about it, bro, right? If, hold on a second. Let me just, let me put all, the, let me put this all together. In regards to, like we talked about the value, mm -hmm. right? We talked about the value of a basketball player. Um, we talked about all these different things. You think about what the school had, what the school system has given back to these basketball players that are lighting up. Like you think about something, huh? They're, they're lighting up the charts. You see what I'm saying? And so you're not, you're not putting energy, you're cutting the art programs, right? You cut the art programs. What are, what are we naturally inclined to do as coming from our community? What are the what are the first things that we know how to do very well? Sing, dance, rap. Play basketball, all these different things. Right? Yeah. So why would you cut something that these kids can use to build themselves up by themselves without your help? Why not fan that fire? Like, yo, you know what? Yeah, sure. It, um, yeah, sure. Boom. Yeah, we got to do all these things. But first things first, these kids' natural gifts and talents can be their moneymaker. And in 2021, where there's more realms to make money off singing, personality, uh, artistic, now you're, cutting, now you're cutting the art program? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're doing this on purpose. All right. You know, and then you think about that perspective, right? So then you're not putting money into the, uh, you're not putting money into uh, the sporting programs. So you don't want these kids to develop the natural ability that they already have, right? You just heard what I just said, the value of a collegiate basketball player is, right? So you mean to tell me you don't want to develop kids that are worth over 500, uh, half a million dollars? You don't, that's what you don't want to do within the Boston Public School System. You don't see the value in that. That doesn't matter. It's crazy. That, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, this is what I'm trying to tell you. And this is how I see it, Foss. Right? This is how I'm seeing this. I'm like, yo, these dudes are trying to play us. They think I don't know what's going on. And fortunately enough for me, I was able to navigate. I was able to, I had a strong enough infrastructure and I had enough game to where I can, I can challenge that notion. I can break through these barriers. But these kids, especially with the amount of comfort that they have, it's not as, it's not a struggle season as, as it was for us. Like, it's like, no, these kids are, they have internet. They have all these things. They're entertained. They're, 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 they're good, right? But they don't necessarily know the amount of work and energy and what's actually out there to obtain, right? Mm. Um, the difference between now and then is that, yo, it's not that there isn't enough information. It's too much information. So they're like, yo, you need to be able to be guided in a particular direction to be, you need people that know what they're doing. You need people that have gone through the path to guide these kids in the right direction or else they can easily fall by the wayside. Um, but yeah, bro. And that's actually part of what my nonprofit is about, bro. My nonprofit is about amplifying and, and, and developing these kids in that particular way. It's called the Actionary Institute. 
And, you know, it's a play on a Haitian um, term, the actionary necessarily. It talks about how, um, you know, someone who aspires to be, uh, you know, someone who uh, making power moves, who wants to be in a particular position of uh, a success. Um, but to me, it's a play on words in regards to what to me it means actionary being being rich in action, being rich in going towards your goal and taking the steps that's necessary, brick by brick. And I think the more and more you do that, the more and more you find yourself in a better position to achieve your goal. Because there's more out there than people actually believe. Um, and I think the more that we actually obtain as mm -hmm. a group, right, as a group, not individually, right? Like, I got a lot of love, like I said, but it wasn't necessarily about me getting a lot of love. while all of us get it. Everybody getting the love. And if, everybody get, if everybody get love, then we come back and um, come together. All of a sudden, we're a lot stronger. We can handle a lot more things. For sure. Unfortunately, we don't do that. So when everybody watches the city crumble around us, they see uh, gentrification happening. It's not because necessarily these people are coming in to take it. It's because inflation. You don't. Most people don't understand the concept of inflation until they're like 28, 29, 30, which means the value of things are going up at all times. There's never a moment where this is worth the same as it was worth yesterday. For you, for real. You know what I'm saying? The value of money diminishes as time goes on, mm -hmm. right? So when you're not investing in these particular situations, you're not investing in each other, you're not building each other up, everybody can't afford the rent because of inflation. And then you had the internet come through, create an economy, which means more money is circulating through the economy. When there's more money circulating through the economy, that means the value of money is worth less. Mm -hmm. So there's more money on this earth now than it's ever been. Word. You feel me? So. Word. The value of money is worth less than it is now, right? So a million dollars in in um, in '95 is like two hundred fifty thousand dollars now. It's not it's really not worth much. It's not that it's not worth much, but it's oh, just, yeah, it is. It's worth a lot, a lot, lot less. Exactly. There's a lot more millionaires out here than there was in 1995. So like, it's these concepts that people will need to break through. But it's it's that's. That's next level, right? You have to be able to get past the first steps. And I think the city is setting us up not to be able to get past the first just, steps. Just in Newton alone, I think it was last year, just in the city of Newton, where I work at, is home of over 1,200, well, 1,200 multi-million dollar like, homes. Oh, yeah, bro. Newton, they got it, they got it figured out. You know, there's a lot going on out there, man. But yeah, that's what I'm saying, bro. It's like it's out there. We can do it. Because I live out there, man. It's just about it's just about recognizing what's happening to us, who and where that is happening. There's no reason Boston should be in the state that it's in right now. There's no reason. It's 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 a travesty. But what I've been thinking, you know how like all these Boston public schools is just like closing and condensing and doing that. I, I think this should be like four or five powerhouse high schools in the city and th those are our schools that, that represent us. Right. There yeah. should, shouldn't be like three high schools down the street from each other with a hundred kids in this building, a hundred kids in that building. Like, well, that, that does that, that, that's not making sense to me. I, you know what? The more and more we go into this, the more and more I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist. All right. <laughs> I'm going to slow down. You know, I'm going to pick and choose my battle. I feel like we've had a wonderful interview at this point. <laughs> I'm not even going to go deeper into it. But, you know, 
Let's just say I I believe divide and conquer, right? And there's a whole lot of that going on right now in the city of Boston. I'm just gonna that's why I'm gonna leave it there. Okay. My, okay. I don't want no smoke, man. No <laughs> smoke, fam. Like I'm just doing my business. I'm just getting started. We're gonna we're gonna leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, right, well, we won't touch that. We'll, we'll say that one. So when we pull up on each other personally, we'll yeah, talk yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna break it down. We're gonna figure it out though. We'll talk that one. So, so uh, let people know where they can find you. Uh, where they, they can find your nonprofit, or when, when's the next time that you know you, we 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 can see you doing some training on the court or or your guest speaking or anything like that. Dude, we got a lot going on right now. The film is doing very very well. If you guys haven't checked it out, it's called Boogie. Is I'm gonna watch that. Uh, it's in theaters right now. It's not even streaming. It's only in theaters. So, you know, AMCs are opening up, you know, socially distance yourself up. Rent those theaters like y'all be doing. And, you know what I mean? Go check out your boy, right? Um, it's dope. It features Pop Smoke. Um, uh, I can't remember the guy's last name, but he's the white ball cop that plays the white ball cop in every <laughs> in every television show, like The Wire, um, Power, um, He's super cool. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about because the description fits him perfectly. White yeah. ball. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. in it. Charlemagne the God's in it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah Charlemagne's in it. Uh, Taylor Page, Jesse Williams' wife. Um, it's a fun movie. It's not, I wouldn't necessarily say it's something that, you know, you go into uh, a, expecting, you know, more than basketball or anything like that, but you do learn a lot about Asian culture. Um you do learn about the basketball culture um, and you do learn about inner city culture in New York City, um, which I think is dope. And I think it captures the essence of what we represent, right? Foss being an inner city kids um, chasing a dream, um, except we're learning it from the Asian vantage point. Okay. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think a lot of people would enjoy it. My act, my nonprofit, we just got started. We got a couple, we got a few things off the ground. We did a few activations. We get a lot of love. Um, you know, the hoop bus came through, was recognized by Michelle Obama. Um, and that was super cool. Um, uh, we also had the activation that we did where um, Adam Finkelstein stopped by from the, the ESPN scout and checked out some of the Boston public school kids. So my nonprofit is called the Actionaire Institute. Um, and yeah, we're trying to uh, provide innovative solutions to complicated issues. And, you know, as, as we've talked about, you know, there's a lot of perspective and I think uh, understanding that I think we can help provide and within being able to provide that we can also help provide solutions uh, on how to navigate around these particular issues because like I said there, there's so much more value here than is actually being shown and actually being lived through and I think you know starting with the kids and even with some, like anybody that's like you know downtrodden going through a disenfranchised or whatever that we can assist is our goal but our um our first priority is to help those first generation Haitian kids and those Haitian kids abroad mm -hmm. and you know just really build on that foundation man and and really help these kids uh discover their passions discover their talents and allowing those talents to help be a tool for them something that they can navigate through life with um, you know, watch out for the content series, though. The content series is where it's going to get real jiggy. Yeah. We're going to tap in. You feel me? We're going to go to the, we're gonna go from place to place. We're going to talk to the latest and greatest, you know, and we're going to break some things down. It's, gonna call, it's called the Action Air Project. We haven't delivered anything quite yet. We got some stuff in the queue. Okay. 
we worked on some things. I think people are gonna have a lot of fun with it. It's kind of like just kind of giving like a first uh, firsthand experiences to what my reality is and what my life looks like. You know, instead of posting pictures on the back end, you okay. know, people can get a little BTS, man, and have some fun with it as much as I'm having fun with it. And I can share it with the community and, and share it with the kids that come from our community, our high school, our neighborhood, because that's what I represent. And I want them to understand that's who I represent. And I want them to see this. I want them to enjoy it. So it's a vibe, brother. We out here. We're getting to it. Uh, good, good, there's a lot more to come. Yeah. Yes. Rub hands. I'm here for it, man. You know, I'm going to support you every step of the way, man. Anything that I could do. You know what I mean? To help you, you know, wherever it's a, you know, IG blast or another shout out on the podcast or whatever the case may be, man. You just just let me know, my brother, man. We gotta do this again. This was fun. I ain't gonna lie. I I, I don't, yeah, I mean, I haven't, I don't really have these conversations in public, right? So, like, these are the type of conversations I generally have amongst myself and my peers. And, and, and oddly enough, people don't even necessarily know. I'm not necessarily like, I'm not like, I don't really like, in regards to having these type, of, like I said, having these type of conversations in front of a camera, I haven't done that a lot. So, kudos to you and uh, your interviewing ability to making me feel comfortable enough to do that and really give some perspective as to what's going on with me as an individual and shine a light on what's going on. And I'm and I and I love the podcast, like I said, for what it represents, and it represents the essence of what we're about, which is hooping kids through the city. Much, 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 much appreciated, man. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, this is my brother right here, Ronald DeGond, uh, you know, the diamond of the city. I, I don't even know the, the title for this. I'm gonna have to, when I listen to this back again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come up with some titles, something like that. It'll, it'll, it'll hit you, bro. I know it'll hit you. It, it, I was I was gonna call you the Haitian president, but that that that's just too classy. I gotta switch. I, I, I got I gotta switch something up, man. <laughs> yo, let yo, bro. This I I can't wait. I want to hear the people's feedback on this, man. Cause like I said, I don't have these conversations. People, I, I feel like I'm the like this mysterious figure or something. Like, you know, <laughs> I feel like that's just been working hard. Like, <laughs> right? I mean, just trying to navigate my issues and you know navigate what my my. Going good, things I had going bad, and just try to put myself in position to be of service and make a tremendous impact. And by the grace of God, I'm in that position, so I'm excited to make that impact. That's what's up, man. It's like it's like it's like you look like the Kawhi Leonard of, of the city. Like you, just, <laughs> you know, you check the resume, and be like, oh, 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 snap! Like, oh, damn, but he's so quiet. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I be chilling, bro. I be getting to like, yo. I'm just like, like I said. I've been handling things, That's and, and I feel like it to be. If you want to be honest with you, it feels like it's for this particular moment, right? And um, you know, I took that seriously. I took the responsibility seriously, and thank God I did because it's giving us off. It's gonna give us some, you know, possibly gonna be able to change some things. I try. That's definitely what's up, bro. Well, once again, ladies and gentlemen, Rondo, my homie Brody, much love. Thank you, much appreciated. Thank you for coming on the show. We're definitely going to chop it up uh, soon. We're going to chop it up sooner or later. For sure. For sure. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up this episode of Get Buckets Podcast. Like I say, Get Buckets and Stay Black. You already know. <laughs> <laughs>